Once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember, you were swagger jacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. A father figure. Podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WHUTs after further review. Welcome back to 88.3 WHUTs after further review. We'll try this one more time here. And uh, let's see if we can get this going as David Mangot Harris is on the phone line. What's up, David? Not much. Just uh, the joys of radio. Yeah. Being in the radio industry. Yeah. I don't know what happened. And trying to get this recording going on has been around the world. And I, I, I. This is Lisa Stansfield. Uh, Really great uh, uh, hits right here. But let's get to the hits of the end be a trade deadline a lot of stuff going on and david before we talked on got on the air um as we get to the the round ball rock here i know this is now a college basketball theme song but it was the original nba on nbc this is the most traction that i've seen as far as the nba trade trade deadline is concerned uh david since probably the 90s because i mean a lot of stuff went down and uh, david you do your little explanation of what, what happened yeah there was, there was a lot of action usually like like you said Derek, we get like one big trade maybe two there's a lot of buyouts like a lot of you know depth pieces getting traded but this year kind of they were just pull the rubber band off and go gun ho as you know the sprint towards the NBA Finals really takes in full full effect now that we're after, you know, you know getting close to the All Star Weekend. So start off well. Well, special well, winners. Well, one. Sorry to cut you off. Let's remember the Kevin Durant trade was late in the night. It was actually around one or two o'clock in the morning. Kind of crazy. Yeah, that that was the last thing. You know, obviously, probably account a little bit of West Coast time. You know. Phoenix out there, right? True. West Coast made that finally get it off the line, and we'll start in the land of the rising sun with the winners from the trade deadline, and that would be the Phoenix Suns getting the, I mean, arguably the best piece that we've seen seen traded on you know, trade deadline day in a long, long time. Um, bringing in T.J. Warren, yes, they're giving up pretty much. The rest of the picks this decade in the first round. But the Suns are now back in the conversation of, hey, we have a legitimate shot of getting back to the NBA Finals and winning it this time. You kind of, the last couple of seasons, it's been, you know, if Aiden goes down, what will happen? If Chris Paul inevitably gets hurt with an ankle injury like we've been having for the past 15 seasons, um, who can really step on? or step up to the plate that's not a role player but can be a legitimate threat alongside Devin Booker. Now you add Kevin Durant to the mix. If Phoenix doesn't finish in the top four in the West, that would, that would be a travesty because I think this team, this team is right now 
And yes, Denver still has you know Joker, who I think is going to win the MVP yet again. But Phoenix is scary, and if and if, if Chris Paul can stay healthy, the West goes through Phoenix. Yeah, but it's a lot of people talking about they don't have a bench. I mean, you, you need that bench there, uh, David. Don't, I mean, when you agree or disagree, I, I I think you really need a a, a good bench. Yeah, you definitely have to have depth. You can't, you know, we talked about it kind of previous seasons, um, kind of thinking about when you get to the playoffs, having an 8-10 to 10 man rotation is good, but then if someone gets hurt, you're screwed. And I think given Kevin Durant's injury history, given that Chris Paul's injury history, knowing that the fact that you traded away strong defenders in – Bridges and Johnson, who are, you know, not young, but youngish, young, you know, younger than Durant and Warren. And that kind of understood, you know, the makeup and the identity and the culture in Phoenix. It's going to take some time for Kevin Durant to play his way into that rotation when he gets on the court, which is, again, is he going to be, you know, is he going to have time to mesh with that first unit? Is he going to have to come off the bench a little bit, you know, longer than he wants to and the team wants to? Because this is Phoenix saying, we're all in. We're all in for, you know, two years, three years, however long Chris Paul can last us until we have to, you know, burn this down. Phoenix is essentially taking the same approach Brooklyn did when they traded for the big pieces in Boston, trading away their entire future for a chance to win now. It's a big gamble, but if they can get it done, you know, I, I don't see a lot of teams that can hang with a fully healthy Phoenix in seven games if everyone stays fit, healthy. Now, you know, teams get buyouts, free agents, you know, they'll, they'll add some depth, but it won't be the same caliber I would say yeah I, I totally agree with that one so keep going I, I, I mean it's just that you, as you know and I know and we've talked about this is that if you want to compete in the NBA or any t- tournament high school NBA whatever you gotta you have to basically have a bench. At least you got to go at least seven, eight guys deep. And yeah, you got the dominant front court, but those role players are the ones that are going to step up and help you, especially when you start getting in those longer series. You know, everybody knows what you're going to do. You're going to have that one uh, a role player that might step up in a pivotal game four or game five when, you know, the game plan that's surrounding against your stars where they might have a, an off night. So we'll see what. Phoenix does, but you're right. The new owner comes in and says, "Yeah, we're we're I'm happy with the team." And then the next day they make the trades. Mikael Bridges, yeah. Mikael Bridges didn't even know he was traded until his teammate called him, and then his then his agent called him like two or three minutes later. Which I still don't understand that, especially when they're doing trades like that. I've heard some weird stories where if you know you're going to trade the guy, at least bring the guy in and say, "Hey, look, man, we let you go. You got you got traded." It, it, to me, it's very insulting and, and very unprofessional to let the guy get traded or girl because it happens in WNBA. And they hear about it from a friend 
or on social media? How does someone – think about it. You are tied with the team directly, and a friend calls you and says, man, I heard on Twitter you got traded, and then the organization calls you five minutes later. I mean, come on, man. If you know you're going to trade the guy, hey, look, we got you in the trade talks. It could possibly go down. Be by your phone. Pretty simple technique here, but it shouldn't – and I understand they got people that want to be like – excuse me, tell the media stuff really quickly that, you know, because he want to be first and I got you type of media. But give the common courtesy and respect to the player to say, look, man, we traded you, blah, 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 instead of them getting caught off guard or a family member has to FaceTime them. Yeah, it's like you said, it's, unpro- you know, borderline unprofessional. Yeah. It's, it's messed up. But, yeah, like just, just let them know, especially if it's a – Role player, you know, I don't want to say role, role player kind of in a derogatory, but if it's a guy that's kind of a depth piece and you know that you can probably get some pieces for him, just give him a heads up like, hey, we're hearing some things. We might be floating you around or at least like, a, you know, leading up to that. If it's something that you're doing trade deadline, just shoot him a message, shoot his agent a message, hey, you know, we're going to see what's out there. Right. Just, just so that they're mentally prepared or, you know, not like what happened with Josh Hart, you know. He gets traded, you know. He gets on social media. His, his you know, ex-Villanova Villanova teammates like, oh, crap, I didn't know that you got traded. Like, like what's the surprise? Like you said, everyone wants to be the next Shams or the next Woj and drop the boom breaking. And then when yeah. it doesn't happen, it's like, well. Yeah, that, that's, where, that's where we're at now. And I, you're right. You, you don't want to be the Woj or the Shams or whatever. And drop the thing. Oh yeah! By the way, so and so got traded. It's like, okay, come on, dude. The organization jump on top of it. Let the person know. Then once it gets out, then they can talk to family members or whatever it may be. But if you're sitting there chilling at home, and next thing you know, you get traded. But it, I mean, it's been going on for years in the NBA. I've heard so many podcasts where guys find out they've been traded from a by a family member because it's been out in the media. Now it's more prevalent now because of social media back in the day though still though there was times where you know, the media released the trade information you wouldn't know but it is what it is keep going now i will say the pistons got james wiseman yeah the pistons kind of a you know oli for the winners kind of getting the best player in that four or five team trade kind of getting a fresh start young piece a big not going to replace the shooting ability of city day but He's a big, and in the, in the Eastern Conference, you need size. Um, there, there's a lot of big guys in the Eastern Conference. You know, thinking about the guy in Milwaukee that's 6'10", that can stretch the floor and is literally a freak of nature. Yeah, the Pistons weren't as aggressive as a lot of other teams, but they – they're taking another gamble because Sadiq Bey was one of those players that I think has became a fan favorite. But hey, you got to move forward. Um, another team yeah, that's yeah, moving forward. Yeah, uh, you're, you're right. He Tron- was. Uh, Portland Trailblazers. David, he was, he was, he he was a fan favorite with uh, the, the Pistons. A talented player, but I, I see a trade piece. I mean, if James Wiseman can show what he's been showing in the G League and the potential they got there with Cade Cunningham coming coming back next year. They got a solid little nucleus there with with Jay Ivey, Cunningham, and now Wiseman. You kind of got a little decent big three there. Yeah, and youth is going to be their 
you know, Yuta's going to be their friend. Uh, it's definitely going to be interesting to see some of those battles, you know, the old school rivalry, not really old, but between Detroit and Cleveland when LeBron was in his early years and, you know, those young cores between Detroit and Cleveland kind of duking it out. But yeah, if they, if they can stay healthy, that's a formidable big three. And then you build around them, get some, get some shooting. You know, they lost Luke Kennard in this team. You know, you know, former Piston, you know, ways back. But if they can get some perimeter shooting, maybe Detroit could be one of those, you know, play-in teams and kind of do a little Sacramento of the Midwest approach. Yeah, that's true. Keep going. Uh, another winner, the Portland Trailblazers reuniting former New York Knicks. And Cam Reddish and Kevin Knox getting the piece. Tybalt. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Kevin, strong defender. That's right. So Kevin Knox was with the Pistons. Uh, yeah, he was with the yeah. Pistons. Yeah, he's with Portland with Cam Reddish, or some people would say Cam Rub- Rubbish. Um, I, I'm, I'm. Is this really a good trade? I think it is because both of those guys were negatively impacted, like everyone being in New York. No, nah, it was. It I neg- mean, great Cam Reddish. Wait, 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 wait. Were they neg- or Cam Reddish was in Atlanta? Well, right, but for yeah. but David, do you think it was they were negatively negatively impacted in New York, or is it that they're not really as good as players as we thought they were? I thought Cam Reddish was not a bad player, but I thought at Duke, I always didn't think he I think he had the potential to be great but I just don't think he was ever really a great player to me he doesn't seem like he has passion for the game it's just something that he just likes to do yeah yeah I remember those conversations where kind of when we look at that big three at Duke in that you know Zion year like upside Cam was always like eh, middle of the pack Kind of, but yeah, really didn't have that explosiveness. But yeah, I think part of it is kind of coming and kind of thinking about Kevin Knox for a little bit. Uh, when he came into New York, he was basically said, "Hey, you're going to be the savior," and it's like, "Savior of what? There's there's nothing here." And so, kind of a lot of that. And for a while, kind of his rookie year, he showed those flashes of being the guy, and then second year just kind of fell off the side of a cliff. And then that's when they bring in the Julius Randles and kind of do that New York, just send everyone out and bring bring veterans in. I just but, don't I don't really think he was that good. I, I that's just me. I, I thought Cam Reddish to me had the potential, had the size. I think a lot of people got infatuated with that. But I, I see it all the time with, with a lot of players. To me, I just think when you get to that level you got to have a passion and a want to be in the league. And I just think that he's one of those guys that he's great or good at basketball, but I don't really think you're ever going to get that mm, out of him. And that's why he's getting traded around. And he'll be out of the league, I think, in a year or two. But that's just my opinion there. It just There's just something that's off that's not all the way there with him. So... You know, people thought, well, we'll, we'll send him. He started. Well, would he start out in Atlanta, and then we'll send him to New York? I don't really think it's the New York thing. I, I just think he's, he just is not really him and Knox. 
decent NBA players, but not something that is on a level that you could be, build a team around or even have them in, you know, your top rotation. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like like they're not going to be perennial all stars. They're no. not going to be in the level of, you know, think of Cam's teammate Zion. Like they're not at that start. Like they are pieces. Like you want them to be high, you know, six man, six seven on your bench guys, mm-hmm. but kind of as they've shown, they're more, you know, eight, nine, ten in that range, where they're they're solid in the second unit, and if you need them to jump up to the first unit, you know, they can play a role, but you don't want role players when you're picking in the lottery. <laughs> Well, you can get, you can get and plenty, especially if you, you know, plenty of you know top players. ten, right? You can get plenty of role players. Yeah. Speaking of role players, and another winner, second round picks. It seems like every every draft pick in the second round is taken up from now until twenty forty five, because we saw you know six second round picks being traded here, four here. Mm-hmm. Like it, it seems like everyone's just taking. Like, hey, if we can get these second round picks, we can find the next Nikola Jokic, or we can find the next Diamond in the Rough in the second round that kind of makes our scouting department look like geniuses. But, you know, for every Nikola Jokic, there's 30 or 45 guys that have a cup of coffee in the league and don't only last more than two or three seasons, and then they go down to the G League. Right. It's just it's just always funny when they say, you know, all these second-round picks. First-round picks make sense because for Kevin Durant, you're going to want four or five first-round picks. Granted, you're, you know, handcuffing yourself and, and turning into the Los Angeles Lakers when you're trading wire first-round picks, hoping that it'll work. But, but, yeah, picks. Picks in the NBA are not – or not value the same as picks in the NFL, I would say, just making that comparison. Because first off, picks in the NFL, you're like, okay, we we are guaranteed that this guy is going to be at least pretty good throughout his rookie deal. In the NBA, a first-round pick may not even last a rookie deal. Like, they may be traded, you know, in the case of Bones Highland, in two years. I, I, think, like, I think back in the day, picks were valued because then you could say well, we can get that next superstar but let's face it the nba is built on potential nowadays and i don't and i think because of the league going younger and younger trying to get 18 19 year olds unless you get a draft class where you get one of those once in a generational players like possibly lebron james or something like that the draft now to me almost seems like the baseball draft where we're picking this kid and he's going to help us do well in two or three years um or like james wiseman you thought that oh this guy was going to help us out i mean it right now in the in the in this current era of the nba there's not really anyone that you could draft that's going to just put your team in the championship hunt so like unlike in the nfl where let's just be honest in the nfl if you can get draft picks one through three, the third, first or second, first, first through third round, those could be really impact players that could really 
make your NFL team dominant in one or two years. Part of the reason is because almost they're grown men. They're 22 years old. So, like I said, when I see now people like trading for draft picks and then the ridiculousness of doing the draft picks in 2027 and 2029, like what? You don't know who. Come on. So, you're right. I, I don't even know why they even involved having draft picks. I do know when they do the trades, the money has to add up too. So, I get that. Yeah, it just makes, like, if you think 2029 draft class, those kids are, if you know, if by 2029, it's still, you know, you can be, you know, 18 years old or younger. In 2029, those kids are 12 and 13 right now. Yeah. Like, like said, you have no idea how they're going to grow and develop. Right. Size-wise, well, yeah. that's why, Q-wise. Right. But the thing is, too, even then, no 18, 19-year-olds coming into this league, even LeBron, it took him, what, seven years before he finally got to the finals, was going to make a, a direct impact. So there is a little bit less value with the draft picks. That's why I don't understand why people hoard draft picks. This is a grown man's league. Um, I mean, I understand there could be some, some assets there. Maybe you, you give them the draft picks maybe for a team that needs some role players. But then again, though, the scouting and now with – the global platform of social media, you can't be like the Spurs and draft the Ginobili or or Tony Parker in the late first round and the second round and get a steal because everybody knows the steals now. So, yeah. it, like I said, it, 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 I understand usually probably draft picks are just thrown in there just to be thrown in there, but yeah, no. And then just be, let's be honest too. Sometimes you you try you trade those draft picks, and some of them are protected. And sometimes, you know, that team is better off than what they were anyway. So you don't get anything out of the draft pick. You know what I'm saying? It's just to, to me that they have lost a little bit of its luster nowadays. Yeah, and switching over uh, from the winners to the losers, one team that acquired all those picks from Phoenix, the Brooklyn Nets. They're basically it's just basically a repeat of um, kind of the inverse of what happened with Boston where they put all their eggs, oh we're gonna get all these first round we're gonna send all these first round picks. Boston ends up getting Tatum and Brown and then they end up you know being successful. Meanwhile, the picks that they would have gotten rid of or they would have kept, the players don't really result in anything. All the wait trades minute, that they minute, did for wait a minute wasn't in yeah. that trade when Tatum got drafted. Wasn't Markel Fultz in that trade? I mean, in that draft. Uh, I believe so. So, and, and so. did did Philly have the number one pick that year? Yeah, because Philly Philly took Fultz, and we were all like, "Damn, he only averaged like fifteen, you know, five points a game average." And obviously, facetious, but. He averaged like nothing in Washington, and we were all like, "What the bleep are you doing?" Yeah, he didn't get to the NCAA tournament either. Yeah, yeah. So that was yeah, twenty seventeen. That Fultz came out right, and, and the, the the crazy part about it is the Sixers could have had Jason Tatum. So <laughs> that was just bad. Really, the Celtics benefited from bad drafting from the Seventy Sixers. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of thinking about yeah. When you trade, when you get all these first round picks and trades, like like we just said, like it, it can either be a big bust or it can be you know success, and especially in the first round, because you know eighteen nineteen, um, most of these 
you know, to bring up something that Austin Rivers said on our podcast, most of these kids are, you know, they know highlights, they know how to play, you know, for the Instagram, but they don't have the basketball IQ. And so not all, but, you know, most of them kind of that want the highlights and kind of, I just want to get, you know, make the spectacular things. They don't have that nitty gritty where you have to kind of really coach them once they get to the league. I'm going to be curious to see what the rebuild looks like in Brooklyn because they're basically starting from scratch yet again. Yet again, Ben Simmons still doesn't shoot the ball, and now that the big three that Brooklyn constructed only played you know half of a season together before trading them all away, now Ben Simmons is the guy. Is Mikel Bridges going to be your your ace in the hole? You're not going to get high picks unless Phoenix tanks. So that's not true. So even those first-round picks that you're getting from the Suns are going to probably be in the 20s if the Suns play well, which we expect them to. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. You, like I said, if it's not an immediate impact draft picks within the next two or three years, it, it's, it's almost not meaningful draft picks. But as you said, I will see. I think Brooklyn, I will say this, Brooklyn was a winner. And you might think, well, why is Brooklyn a winner? Did you get to the losers yet? Yeah, yeah. Brooklyn is the first loser. Yeah, I actually think Brooklyn is a winner. And here's why. Sorry. They got rid of toxicness, and they had to. I, I think Brooklyn was way more competitive and a little bit more fun to watch before Durant and Kyrie got there. And they know that. I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie is back, and he was part of that crew before Kyrie and them got there. I believe Kevin Durant was even injured that one year they got there, and they were played pretty decent in the before the bubble. But you had to move on. Kevin Durant didn't want to be there. Kyrie didn't want to be there. I think they wanted to try to build around Kevin Durant, but when someone doesn't want to be there, you got to cut ties. I give them credit. I give them really good credit and said, you know what? Blow it up. Start over. And there's some organizations that don't really do that. They go in there and say, we're going to hang on. We're going to hang on. And it just doesn't really work out. So I think really the winner to me was the Brooklyn Nets. They realized, eject, get out of the situation, get away from this toxicness, you know, it, because of COVID and injuries and whatever else mess that was going on, the 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 trio of Harden, Kyrie, and, and Durant didn't work. And when they all played together, they were ten and three, and they played thirteen games together. Um, so they realized that they moved on. And as, you, as I, people say, they're going to be the second fiddle always in the New York media market, even though it's the Brooklyn Nets, um, just like when they were in New Jersey. But I think they're going to move on to a point where they know, okay, we're going to be a hard-working team. We're going to build a team that can be enjoyable. Will they be in the hamster wheel of the NBA? Probably. They'll probably be, their best years will probably once in a while be a one or two seed in the league, probably a two. But most likely not, Brooklyn's best seasons are going to be that four or five seed where you'll get a first, you'll win in the first round and probably get knocked out in the second round. But at least they got away from the toxicity of that whole Durant, Kyrie Irving stuff, and they can move on as an organization. So, yes, you might think that they're a loser because with all these draft picks, but I think they're a winner because they admitted to themselves, get rid of this, this is the type of organization that we want to be, and we're fine with that. And I can respect that. 
Yeah, I mean, I can too. Like, understanding it from that perspective, I think a lot of people are in agreement that as with, you know, Kyrie and kind of all that, and then Kevin Durant is in the back and forth, and just some of the, even the stuff with when Steve Nash was coach and them forcing him out. Yeah, yeah, and yeah it just seemed like yeah. there was just, they just needed a fresh restart. So from that instance, yeah, that makes sense. You know, Brooklyn's doing a full reset button. Yeah. And you can respect that. That's the same thing, the whole Steve Nash forcing him. And I felt bad for Steve Nash. He was just in a, just a, just a bad situation. And it makes you wonder if Steve Nash had a team that just didn't have and I wouldn't even say I think I don't think really Durant was most of the problem. I think it was mostly Kyrie. Now he will say, "Well, you know, it wasn't me; it was them." And you know, I, there's no need to argue with that. I think the team that they're trying to construct right now is great for Jock Vaughn and puts a little bit less pressure on Jock Vaughn. But I also think the team they're trying to construct probably would have been a little bit better for Steve Nash. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting just what they do kind of particularly in the off season kind of, cause I think that'll give us a sense of, okay, where, what is the f- way forward? And granted, is it going to be around Ben Simmons being the piece, which we all know that doesn't work. See what happened in Philadelphia. Right. But yeah, there's a lot, a lot of questions still left unanswered in Brooklyn, but yeah, they have the draft picks to do it. All right. Keep going. Uh, continuing uh, John Wall, after his comments about how the the youth movement and Houston is, you know, sugar honey iced tea <laughs> gets back. traded there, and everyone's just like, all like the memes went, the meme game for that was hilarious. He's just like, I'm going back here after I burned literally all the bridges. It's like, so that's what we're doing. Um, very talented individual, but I, I really think that his career is. You know, after that Achilles, he's not the John Wall that he used to be. So um, it'll be interesting to see. But I think really he's going back to Houston. They'll probably buy him out, and then he'll he'll pass the waivers or whatever, and he'll go sign with someone else. Yeah, one thing that I was looking at, there's either you know two things, that, and we'll get to the Heat in a second. Um, Miami Heat could possibly get him for the buyout, but then also a nostalgia run with Washington. I'm like. I mean, I under, I would understand him going back to Washington just for the nostalgia, and Washington is just there in the beyond hamster. Hold on, David. Let's see here. We'll, we'll merge the calls. We're bringing in Frank Vasher. Have their magic. Yeah. Sorry, David. Oh, sorry, David. Uh, we merged in Frank as he called in as we're just finishing up this subject. So repeat what you said. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, there's some rumors saying that John Wall might have a nostalgia run with Washington. Maybe pair him up with Bradley Beal, have that reunion one fast one last glory run before John Wall's retired. Probably, probably will get reti- his num- number retired in Washington just for what he did with the Wizards. But yeah, that or I could see them going after Miami. Mm, true. Oh. And speaking of Miami, I'm going to pair them with your Chicago Bulls, Derek, for not doing anything during the trade deadline. Good. Um. The Heat missed out on big pieces that everyone was thinking, oh, we can make a move, we can make a move. And Miami kind of thinking, yeah, we'll go wait till the offseason. The Bulls decided to stay pat and be quiet. I guess they're fine, and they're just saying, hey, Zach Levine, take us to the promised land. No, no help. No second-round draft picks to 
go around to see if we can get someone. Well, I, I think where, where were the Bulls going to go, though, David? I mean, you had Vucevic, you had Durant, uh, DeRozan. The problem with the Bulls is that they've been injured. You know, you haven't had um, uh, Lonzo Ball or anything like that. So th- that's what kind of sucks. Yeah, but kind of as, as we were talking a little bit about earlier, having that depth, you know, if someone goes down, who is that next man up mentality? Not saying that they're, you know, destined for the playoffs, but maybe like a dark horse run, you know, could still be in the cards, you know, it, get into the play-in tournament. It, it could, you know. but I think last season the injuries with Caruso and Ball, and, and Ball's career could be almost over too as well with the knee injury. So I don't know about that just yet, but I think the, the, the Bulls, if they were going to make a trade, I think it was to bolster the bench, and they just didn't really find anything. Uh, wrap up the segment, David. All right, and then the last loser for me, John Morant. Um, it's been memed on social media as after John Morant's comment saying, you know, it's cool out here in the West. Everyone's like, hey, let's join the Western Conference. Kevin Durant's going West. LeBron's still out here becoming, you know, NBA's all-time leading scorer. Seems like everyone's just shifting to the West, and John Morant's like, should have just kept him out shut. Kyrie Irving's now in Dallas, and now he's in the division. Yeah, so... John Morant thought he had it easy, but just going to make it that much harder for the Grizz to get make it out of the Western Conference. And with that, that is my winners and losers from an action-packed NBA trade deadline. Hmm. Frank, got anything to add before we get out of this segment? <laughs> well, since I joined you guys kind of late, uh, David, what do you got to say? Oh, wait, Dave, right? Whoa, 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 whoa. Where are you at? You got us on Bluetooth? What's going on there, Frank? Because we can't hear yeah, you. Sorry, I got- Okay, hold on. Let me let me try to. You hear me? Yeah, that's way better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I had I had to plug in my car. Um, I just want to know what David had to say about the Pistons and now that they seemingly have seven thousand centers. Well, um, yeah, they you need size in the Eastern Conference with the likes of you know Giannis. We know that the bigs in Boston, even though they're not super tall, they can still stretch the floor. You know. Al Horford is 95 years old and still can hit a 25-footer like it's nothing. Like, you, you need size, but at the same time, um, you know, with you know, um, when everyone's healthier, maybe they can shift some of those pieces off in the offseason, get some guard play. Um, talked a little bit about it earlier, but, you know, that big three well, now with Wiseman, that, well, Cunningham, and well, Ivy. Wait a minute, how, what other guard play do you need? You already got Killian Hayes there. Jaden Ivy and Cunningham can play someone of the guard. Well, if if one of them, one or two of them gets hurt, like we were talking about, you know, having that depth coming off the bench. You got Alec Burks. You also, uh, Bo, Bohan Bogdanovich. I mean, eh, you don't need another guard. I mean, that 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 was really where they were already at. Well, you don't you don't need centers, and I mean, maybe a four, but most of those fives can, like I could see, James. Well, James Wiseman probably would play the five, but maybe you throw throw in a four and get two bigs mm-hmm. that are six, eleven, seven foot. Well, you gotta keep in mind they already the Pistons already have Jalen Duran and uh, B. Stew, even though I think B. B. Stew is a nothing. <laughs> well, no, B. Stew is the, the enforcer, but he's a guy that's coming off the bench. But but that's the thing. He's a muscle guy coming off the bench. You need him. Dur- Durin, um, <clears throat> another big, strong four. 
but you can have that multi-purpose. So, I mean, those guys, though, aren't very, really skilled. So James Wiseman is going to be your, your your skilled big man that you're going you're gonna to need. And, you know, you got Bo, Bo, Bohan Bogdanovich that can really shoot the lights out, kind of stretches the floor, and then you got your dynamic players in uh, Ivy and Cunningham once he comes back from injury. And then you got Killian Hayes. Now, th- th- that's – the the thing, and I know I listen to Anthony Bellino. That's the thing that people are, are kind of concerned about: is Killian Hayes really the answer at the PG? Um, he's decent, and and really he could play his role if he if you got Wiseman and you have Cunningham and Ivy. If they can be a really formidable big three, Killian Hayes really fits that. So I, I don't really understand, you know, getting the guards because you got the shooter in Bogdanovich who can spread the floor out. So and then Killian Hayes, his game is more of a distributor. He's not going to be much of a score. If you're expecting a lot of scoring out of him, you're not going to get that from him. But he will distribute that rock, though. All right, that's that's really all I wanted to ask about the trade deadline from you guys. Thank you. All right, well we got almost forty minutes in in this stretch. Coming up next, guys are getting into the Super Bowl, huh? Oh, yeah. All right. You listen to 88.3 WGTs after further review. 40 minutes of trade winners and losers now that football season's over from David the Man of God. Here's when we coming up. You know what we're talking about? The Super Bowl. We'll be back after this. <laughs> 